Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 9 of The Weird Weird West. This page begins chapter 1, No Time Like the Present. It begins our adventure, and I want you to start this journey just as the player characters would, so no preamble. You sit down to the table, here's what the GM says. Quote, Hey, watch where you're pointing that neutron fluxer. Gladly, if you'll just find me a little more slack. You've been working on the time ship's control console for hours, and you have yet to correct the problem. It's almost certainly a major fault. This is all you need. It seems as though there isn't enough power passing into the overdrive converter. About 20% of the reactor output isn't making it through the jungle of wiring and transformers and into the converter. This might call for a complete rewiring job. Now what did we do with that Ridley sprocket? If you don't recognize those funny voices, uh, they're yours. They're, they're the player characters' voices. The dumbest thing on this page, and I know I'm coming in hot, but so is the author. The dumbest thing on this page is that your characters, you, the players, your player characters have dialogue in the box text. The author has deigned to assign you words and actions in the box text. I have opinions about box text. I know that some people don't like to use it at all. I don't use it much, but I think that it has a place, a very specific place. That's a topic for another time. We don't need to get into exactly where the line is. What I will say is I feel that it is far, far over the line to write box text in which you second person tell the players, here's what your character says and does. Like, I didn't think that an adventure could start in a more railroady way than all this in World War II with the impenetrable foil-lined box, but this is the next evolution of railroad technology, just straight up playing the characters in the box text. So just like last time, we are immediately off on the wrong foot with this adventure. Scene one, we've got a problem. But let's give it a chance. Let's see where this goes. Maybe the author, and by extension the judge, uh, maybe they have a really engaging first scene. Maybe that fiction was just sort of priming the pump so that we could get in there and do some real role-playing. Like, this is the second adventure we've played together. The team is gelling. No doubt we've established some relationships from last time. Maybe that was just a way to kind of get us going, start the improv, have a fun around the base. We are a super family kind of scene. Let's see what happens. I quote, Since the events of the earlier adventure, the heroes have learned a lot more about the time vessel and its operation. Recently, however, the ship's control console has manifested a minor fault that needs repair. Ah, I see. A chance for the scientist on the team to flex their muscles. Quote, In order to completely correct the problem, the heroes must solve the puzzle outlined below. Puzzle is in quotation marks. I don't know why. This is a paradigm case of a role-playing game puzzle, and I do mean that as an insult. Quote, Draw out two columns of numbers on a piece of paper. The first column reads 10, 2, 7, 6, 3, and the second column reads 5, 8, 9, 4, 1. Explain to the players that these numbers represent the amount of power that is being carried through each of 10 receptacles on the control console. Uh, I'm gone. I've left. I've packed up my dice. I'm at home. I'm, I'm already watching old Star Trek and eating potato chips. Before you finished your sentence, as soon as you began explaining 
these numbers in these two columns represent the power output of the various connectors. I blacked out, and the next thing I knew, my mouth tasted like sour cream and onions, and Commander Riker was being a creep. I lost time, and I'm so happy. But let's assume that you are made of sterner stuff. The judge continues, quote, These receptacles are then connected with one another in order to produce a stable power flow. In order to connect the receptacles, the heroes have three wires, a red wire, a blue wire, and a yellow wire. Receptacles can only be connected in accordance with the following rules. And I am going to go through this in case you're a real weirdo and you want to try this at home. You can back up a little bit, get all the details, get out some paper. If you want to be your own <laughs> miserable, boring GM, I want to give you the full opportunity to do that. This is your podcast to abuse as you wish. So here we go. Each wire must connect a receptacle in column A with a receptacle in column B. The red and blue wires can only connect receptacles that are no more than one row higher or lower than each other. In other words, the red wire could connect 10 with 5 or 8, but not with 9, since 9 is two rows lower from 10, and the wire is only one space long. The yellow wire is two spaces long. It could connect 3 with 1, 4, or 9, but not with 8, since 8 is three rows higher. The red wire can only connect two receptacles that each have an even amount of power flowing through them, i.e. 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10. I applaud the correct use of IE as opposed to EG here, but it is missing a period, and I am familiar with even numbers, so a sound but redundant effort on the author's part. Quote, the blue wire can only connect two receptacles that each have an odd amount of power flowing through them, 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. The yellow wire must be used to connect one receptacle that has an even amount of power in column A, flowing through it to a receptacle that has an odd amount of power in column B. Each receptacle can only be connected to one other receptacle. Have the players draw three lines between the columns representing the wiring. The amount of power flowing through the entire configuration is equal to the sum of the six numbers connected by the wires, and the more power the players are able to muster, the better. Now, there is a target number. The judge is instructed not to tell you what it is. So, you just have to experiment and kind of intuit, like, what is the best possible outcome we can hope for? Let's try a bunch of different ways to connect these wires. What are these numbers? Hold on, let me write down the rules. We'll get a hard copy of the rules. We'll get some wire. Everybody gather around this tiny piece of paper we've got at this table. These little numbers that the GM has chicken scratched out. We're going to have to keep erasing these wires if we do it this way. So we'll get some scratch paper. Maybe we'll physically get like some little straws or something, something we can use that's flexible, some, some thread, some yarn, and just try different ways of connecting these wires until we just feel that we've got it about as good as we can get it. Or alternatively, let's play D&D. Let's fucking listen. Let's find something unproblematic to kill and kill it. All right, let's not fuck around with this yarn. Uh, throughout this book, we're going to have occasion to talk about how fun it is, how appropriate it is, how effective it is to implement sort of artsy, craftsy, out-of-character quizzes and puzzles into a role-playing game. We're going to hit this again and again, and I think in some cases it's more effective than others in this book, and it is all over this book. But this one is bearing more weight than the others, because this is the first scene of the first session of this adventure. And what has happened in session one? The GM gave our characters dialogue in the box text. They got to joke around and have fun with each other while the GM was playing them in the box text. Then once control was graciously passed back to us, we were instructed to just remain out of character and do the GM's fucking intro to logic homework and string pieces of yarn between these two columns of numbers until we have reached a secret number known only to the GM. Thrilling superhero action. This is going to be time-consuming. This virtually cannot happen in character. Can you imagine the headache of trying to solve this logic puzzle in character? 
we just have to forget about playing our characters and being superheroes and just be a bunch of fucking nerds sitting around a table looking at these two columns of numbers, putting our heads together on a logic puzzle, which may be a fine way to pass an evening. It may especially be a fine way for other people to pass an evening while I watch Star Trek at home. This is not a good first scene of a role-playing session, let alone a role-playing adventure. What we have here is the GM playing the characters while the players do boring math to try to make numbers add up. This is backward. This is against God's plan. If the players get to play and have fun and the GM has to do boring math, that's not great, but I accept it. It's part of the tradition of our hobby. I've GM'd D&D 3.5. I've made the sacrifice. But if the GM is playing the characters and doing funny voices and the players are doing math, you're doing it wrong. You may in fact be doing it precisely backward. You may have your wires crossed. And if you have your wires crossed, you could have a core breach. And there's nothing like a core breach to drive this prospective role player back into the waiting alabaster arms of Commander Data. So tread carefully. Your campaign may be about to blow up. By the way, there's an illustration on this page of Avengers fixing a time machine. It's our old friend Wonder Man, arguably the least qualified member of the West Coast Avengers, to do this job underneath the time machine with a little pen flashlight in his mouth working on it. And then next to him, with a full-size flashlight kind of leaning under the time machine, is Captain America, who is not a West Coast Avenger, and whose presence here uncomfortably raises the question of whether Captain America now remembers all of the West Coast Avengers from World War II after the events of Last Adventure. I have no idea what to make of that situation, much as these two characters would have no idea what the fuck to make of all these wires and shit hanging out from an actual time machine. I hope the batteries on these flashlights have been changed recently, because Wonder Man and Captain America are not going to figure out how to overhaul the transmission on a time machine anytime this century. Just kidding. Join me next time when this time machine damn well goes on a time journey no matter what the players do or roll on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>